0: Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the preview show ahead of Bayern Munich's makeup game against Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. The original match was supposed to be played in December, but snowy conditions made it impossible for the game to be played, given the travel requirements for the teams and the fans. The Bundesliga made the right decision in canceling at the time, and now Bayern Munich, who is reeling at this point... (laughs) We'll have to make it up against an Union Berlin team that is not good, but has played better of late. So like we always do about this time, let's take a look at where each team is in the table and check out their recent form. Bayern Munich, of course, is sitting in second place through 17 match days with 13 wins, two draws, two losses. That's good for 41 points. They have 52 goals for 16 against, which is good for a goal differential of 36 Over the course of their last five Bundesliga matches, Bayern Munich has three wins and two losses. Of course, you remember the Eintracht-Frankfurt debacle back on December 8th, where Bayern lost 5-1. And over the weekend, Bayern got embarrassed by Werder Bremen, 1-0 in a match that left everyone frustrated, uh, including me. (laughs) Uh, And by not getting points in that match, Bayern is now seven behind league leader Bayer Leverkusen who has 15 wins and three draws through 18 match days. Leverkusen is in the midst of a magical season, and they cannot seem to do anything wrong at this point. So Bayern is going to have its work cut out for it. As far as the top six goes, uh, VfB, VfB Stuttgart is hanging in third place for now, but they are starting to reel a bit themselves. Arbe Leipzig in fourth place, Borussia Dortmund in fifth, Eintracht Frankfurt is in sixth. As far as points go, Stuttgart has 34. Leipzig and Dortmund each have 33. Eintracht has 28, which ties them with SC Freiburg, who is in seventh place. But Eintracht has a better goal differential. They have seven goals, while Freiburg has a negative four goal differential. So as you can see, it's a pretty tight race for those three to seven positions in the Bundesliga, which is Going to show, I have a feeling, a lot of up and down play for these clubs over the next couple of weeks. And you're going to see a lot of teams interchanging positions. But one team that will not have to worry about that is Union Berlin, which sits in 15th place uh, through 16 match days, which, of course, is an odd number because they had their game against Mainz canceled over the weekend due to the weather conditions. So they're now two in the hole. Uh, they have four wins, two draws, 10 losses. That's good for 14 points, which puts them three ahead of Mainz, Köln, and, and Darmstadt, the 16th, 17th, and 18th place teams. So Union Berlin is hanging on by a threat at this point. They have 17 goals for, which is pretty horrific at this point in the season, 31 against, which it's not terrible, it's not great, um, which gives them a goal differential of negative 15. Over the course of their last five games, They have three draws. I'm sorry, two draws, one win, one loss. Uh, Their last game, which was on January 12th, was a nil-nil draw with Freiburg. Prior to that, they did down FC Köln 2-0 on December 19th. So this is not a good Union Berlin side by any means. They have not lived up to expectations. They have, of course, underwent a coaching change. Many players on the roster just have not lived up to their billing. it's really disappointing because I know I had a lot of high hopes for Union Berlin entering the season. I thought that they could be a surprise team, one that could maybe present a challenge to Bayern Munich, but I was completely wrong. This is a team that has went in the tank and it's got recognizable names. Uh, Kevin Boat just made the move over from Hoffenheim. You're talking about Brendan Aronson, who of course came through with the Philadelphia Union. Robin Guzins. Ronnie Kadera, who is injured right now, Jerome Rousselon, Kevin Behrens, Benedict Hollerback, Kevin Volland. I mean, I, I did not foresee this kind of collapse from Union Berlin. I thought at a minimum they would be battling for that sixth or seventh position, but things have not worked out. They made some acquisition, acquisitions over the summer that didn't pan out. And it just spiraled into something that Union Berlin could not control. And all of a sudden, they are now really fighting for their Bundesliga lives, which is a shame because to me, it just seems like the talent level on the team is better than it has shown. But whether it was coaching, whether it was chemistry or all of the above, Union Berlin just has not really been able to pull it together. And if they don't, they're going to find themselves in a very precarious position over the course of the next few weeks because they are very, very close to being in those 16th, 17th, and 18th place positions. And that's not a spot where you want to be if you have high hopes of staying up in the Bundesliga. As for Bayern Munich, though, this is... uh, as I stated, very, very disappointing to see where they're at and how they're playing at this point. You look at their second place showing, and you might think to yourself, well, that's not so bad. There's plenty of time to make things up, and Leverkusen at some point has to come down. And while that's probably true about Leverkusen, Bayern Munich is starting to show very, very bad signs of some schisms going on in the team, whether it's you're talking about players versus coach, coach versus specific players, fans versus everyone, front office versus players, whatever it is, things are not really working out at this point. And if you watch the Werder Bremen match, you saw a very lethargic attacking group that while nobody was especially bad in the game, they really didn't do much. Harry Kane was non-existent. I hated everything I saw about what he did in that match. And it wasn't just that he had an off game. We've seen him do this before. And it's, I don't know... And I wish I did know the answer to this, but is this a product of him having to play deeper as Tuchel says he wants him to and that he's not getting as involved in the games? Or is this uh, just a function of how these players operate around him? And we saw this with Robert Lewandowski when he wasn't getting any service. And right now it doesn't seem like Kane is the focal point of the attack. He's not not looking like the player that everyone wants to feed the ball to. Now, I will say when we have those games where Bayern Munich looks like they want to get Kane the ball in advantageous positions, not only does he do better, but the team does better. For as much as I might think of, I think highly of the talent of players like the Roy Sane and Jamal Musiala and Kingsley Coman, they're not the best finishers. And to, to me, the fact that they're getting more opportunities than Kane in some matches It is a big problem, and and it doesn't seem like Kane seems to mind. It doesn't seem like Tuchel seems to mind. They seem to be perfectly okay with it. Uh, I do think at some point we're going to see frustration bubble over from Kane. We saw it a little bit in the first half of the season. We saw it really uh, a few times with gestures and faces and talking and all that that you you might normally see. We, We all saw a ton of that from Robert Lewandowski over the years, but we saw just a tad bit of it from Kane. So if this continues and and the team continues to operate around him like everyone else should be scoring goals and, and Kane should be an afterthought, and if Kane himself can't find more ways to get open or be more creative in the box, I think we will start to see some frustration come from him. Now, frustration is the key word for Bayern Munich because it is coming out everywhere now. Leroy Sané, when Thomas Tuchel subbed in the 64th minute against Werder Bremen, was It was it was he was visibly irritated, you know, pulling his head back, rolling his eyes. He did not want to hear the instruction that he was getting from Thomas Muller, which many are speculating was telling Sane that he was going to have to play a little bit deeper. Tactically, than he was early in the game and and Sane just didn't want to hear it from Tugel. Well, Tugel had to uh, (laughs) issue a couple of quotes saying it wasn't a big deal, but let me assure you it's a big deal. Uh, the fact that the matter is that Sané was frustrated, and, and understandably so. He, he values himself as an attacker. He's been one of Bayern's best players over the course of the full season so far. You could see why he would be a little bit miffed about having to play a less offensive role. But it's very it's a very bad look to react like that. And Sané has been one that's been ticked for his body language at times over the years. So this was, this was a, a throwback to those things that we had heard about his play at Manchester City, some of what we saw early at his time at Bayern Munich. It just wasn't a good look. Then after the match, we, we see that Leon Gretzka didn't want to comment, and we see reports saying that he's not happy with his situation. We see Lothar Matthaus come out and say that he doesn't understand why Gretzka is not playing, and then that players on the team don't understand why Gretzka is not playing. All of this right now is leading me to think that Tuchel is having one of his episodes where he starts to break relationships within the team. He's been critical of Joshua Kimmich. He's been critical of Matthijs DeLict, He's been critical of Goretzka. He's been critical of Mizrahi. There are players that have fallen into his crosshairs. However, players like Sané and Harry Kane pretty much have, <laughs> have uh, all right to do anything and say anything they want, and, and Tuchel will never knock them. It's it's definitely come across to me as an outsider that way. I don't know what's going on in the locker room, but I can imagine that the players who have been affected by some of Tuchel's criticisms are probably feeling a little bit of heat toward the coach. Now, you know, RLD, who's very wise and on our BFW staff, pointed out that Thomas Muller, who by all accounts should have every right to be bitter about how he's been used came out with some very mature comments a couple of weeks back talking about it's okay for the coach to be hard on players. It's okay that some people aren't going to play all the time and that you have to continue to fight hard. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but those were all very mature veteran type comments from Mueller that most people would want to hear. And Mueller, he's not dumb. He's going to present the public perception that he's on board with everything because the last thing this team needs is Thomas Muller, a club legend, coming out and saying that he's unhappy too. Now, if I was Muller, I would be unhappy because not only had, did he, when given the opportunity, show that he could do well at the end of the first half of the season, but you know, last week against Hoffenheim, Muller turned in another good effort. All, then all of a sudden we get to Werder Bremen, and here we go with Muller on the bench and Coman back in the starting lineup. And, and listen, I was okay with that. Because I understand that Mueller's 34. And even though I personally might think he's part of the best 11 still at that advanced age, uh, I understand why you want to rest a veteran like that. And I get that. And I was, I was okay with that. I didn't support the Guerrero, Rafael Guerrero for Leon Goretzka move. I don't understand where that's coming from, but I was okay with Mueller sitting. Now, I understand that the are bringing is a completely different element, I, of course, would still play Mueller at the 10 and push Musiala out the wing, but what the hell do I know? I've just been crying about that for three years now. Either way, you know when, when Tuchel makes these decisions, whether he realizes it or not, these are impacting this team as they prepare for things down the road. Because when push comes to shove, you could throw out and put Coman out there for another average performance, which aside of the first couple weeks of the season, Coman's been pretty average. Uh, you could do that, Or you can now start to prepare and get your starting 11, your champagne 11, so to speak, together and start getting them some chemistry and have that built up so that the team is ready when they get to those really hard matches in the Champions League or those very key Bundesliga matches. Because, of course, now Bayern is chasing Leverkusen. But Tuchel's not doing that. He's going for player preference. He prefers Rafael Guerrero. He prefers Coman. He prefers Musiala at the 10, or if you believe like I do, Musiala has the club under the gun because if he doesn't play the 10, he'll be threatening them to get the hell out of Dodge. That's just my theory, but it's just, to me, very odd that Musiala had a couple of games at the end of the Hinrunda where he was playing well in an outside position, but then we come back and all of a sudden he's right back at the 10 where I think he's less impactful on the game. Either way. I know it sounds weird because last week he he had two goals against Hoffenheim, but I still think Musiala can be a more impactful player out wide, and with players like Harry Kane and Thomas Muller playing centrally. But that's just me. So we're in the spot with Tuchel where it seems like some of the team, at least some of the team, is unhappy. He can't seem to settle on what his best eleven is, and some of his selections just don't make sense. Uh, the Goretzka one from last weekend was the one that I didn't get because in the Hinrunde, Goretzka was very good, and I know a lot of you. We'll say that sacrilege, but he was very good. And when it comes down to it, it's kind of inexplicable why Tuchel continues to pass him over. Now, we know Tuchel just doesn't like him, right? Because he's been critical of Goretzka and his game from the minute he stepped foot onto the pitch at the Allianz Arena. It's just been that way. And I think at the beginning of the year, he tried to go without Goretzka and quickly realized that Conrad Limer wasn't up to the task. So every time Tuchel goes out and he tries to replace Goretzka, Goretzka just keeps crawling out of the grave like he's in the Thriller video and and putting himself back in the lineup. And I fully expect Goretzka to be in the starting 11 against Union Berlin. I don't know what to say about Tuchel at this point. I have been on the fence. I have tried to give it a chance. I didn't have high hopes from the beginning. If you all remember, I did pen something calling him the slim reaper. And then he might be there to kill Byron season last year, which he almost did. But I tried to be open-minded this year. I tried to see how this would play out personally. I don't like the ideas that he has. I don't like the way the team's playing and I don't like how he's handling the players quite frankly. And I'm not someone who's a fanboy. I don't really have attachments to players like a lot of people do. And that's fine. A lot of people are huge fans of some of the players. We have some on our staff that are very attached to Muller or very attached to Kimmich or very attached to Upa Meccano. I get that. I totally understand it. I, I'm just, my mind's not really built that way. So, like, more than anything, I'm willing to give coaches a chance to put their imprint on a team, even if that comes at the expense of some players whose game I might admire. But this is going beyond that. This is going to a point where Tuchel just seems to be doing what he wants to do rather than what is best for the team. And that's where you lose me. And If you're making those kind of decisions, I'm just not sure how he's getting much support internally. So it's, it's a very precarious situation. That said, if Bayern Munich, you know, loses to Union Berlin, I think the Lynch mobs will be, will be lighting up their torches and grabbing their pitchforks because they are going to be going after Tuchel hardcore on social media. The guy is, he's not endearing himself to many people at this point. So uh, it would not shock me. But the one thing that I do worry about more than anything is, you know, and I actually penned a, a column on this. What if Byron's wrong about Tuchel? What if he's just not the guy? And my theory is that if he's not, Byron could be in a very tough spot because they're building the club in his vision with players that are specifically being brought here to play his style. So if things come to a bad point that they can't be salvaged and that the club needs to get rid of Tuchel because of broken relationships or poor performance or a combination of both, are they going to be left with a roster that's ill-fitting for another coach and then have to rebuild it again? Or even worse, are they going to feel the pressure to let Tuchel see it out continue with him even if he's alienating the players and continue to bring in new players to fit what, what Tuchel wants to do and how he wants to play. It's a terrible way to view this. I realize that, but I am starting to get worried that that's where this is all heading. It's one of those two scenarios. And, and both, the end result, is is it's not good. It's really not good for Bayern Munich as a club. And I, I'm not going to come on right now and call for a sacking but it's getting close to the point where I'm, I've am i lost confidence in his ability to manage this team effectively and to not be swayed by his own impulses about how he feels personally about certain players. It's, it's, it's a bad spot to be in for him, I think, if people feel this way like I do, but he's going to have some time here. He's going to get to show that he can impact the team, that he still has the team behind him and that this team can produce under him. If, however, he goes on a streak here, and if Byron continues to look lethargic and lackluster and lackadaisical, this is going to be very tight on the board for how they proceed here because they've already started this process of basically pushing some players out, identifying some players they want to bring in because this is what Tuchel's vision is. If they can't solve the Tuchel issue now and he can't get this team together, the board's going to be in a very tough spot in the coming weeks because they can't afford to have another debacle on their hands. They can't afford to have a coach driving the club in one direction when it's not working because it takes so much time to recover from that. We saw just a little bit of, of Julian Nagelsmann putting his imprint on the team and how much that damaged things. I mean, they played an entire season without a real top-tier striker. I mean, that was a lot. Whether anyone wants to admit that or not, that was a loss from the get-go. There was no shot Bayern was winning anything of substance other than the league with that kind of idea. And I worry that this is, this is where it's heading with Tuchel, that his ideas and his players are not going to be a fit for what Bayern currently has and that the chemistry just quite simply won't be there. And the more changes we see, the more worried I get that this team is just too Thomas Tuchel centric and has lost its way into what the club is really about. But that's enough of me pontificating about the current state of Bayern Munich. This is the preview show after all. So let me get down to what I think the lineup will look like against Union Berlin. And believe me, this is a situation where. It's tough to predict because we don't know how pissed Tuchel is at certain players, and we don't know if anyone has completely fallen off the cliff in Tuchel's eyes. So let's try and figure it out. Let's start with the easy part of this because it's Manuel Neuer, and who the hell wouldn't play Neuer? Neuer was great in that Werder Bremen game, just as he's been all season. I mean, the people that aren't watching him the week to week probably can't comprehend how great he is and how consistent he is. To think that he's doing all of this at his age, it, it's incredible. Bayern Munich is very lucky to have him. At center back, it's going to be Dio Upamakano and constant Tuchel target, Matthijs delict He just doesn't have any other options at this point with Kim and Jay out on international break. I mean, this is the center back duo for Tuchel. And I think the club now, because they're under this guidance from Tuchel. They're actively monitoring Delict as well because they're going to have to make a decision on whether they're going to back selling him this summer. And I say back because I believe that Tuchel's driving the bus on trying to get Delict out of town. So I'm uh, very curious to see how Delict responds. I thought he was okay uh, against Vertebramen just as I thought Upamakano was okay. I-, I didn't have a massive problem with the back line overall. I know statistically speaking, Conrad Limer was the highest rated performer on the back line. So... I'll go with Limer again to compliment the Ligt and Upa However, the left-back spot is going to be interesting. Alfonso Davies has been the golden boy for Bayern Munich. If you criticize him, the fans crush you. I've become victim of that at times. Uh, But Davies made a tough mistake. And it it was honestly one of those things that when you're watching as a fan, you can see it. And when it happens, you know it. And it wasn't that he quit on a play against Mitchell Visor, It was that he let Mitchell Weiser want it more. Simply put, that's why Visor scored the winning goal against Herter Bremen. He wanted it more than Davies. Davies was in a position to make a play, but Visor was the one that made it. And unfortunately for Davies, this comes on the back of just some really uneven play over the course of the season. And I feel like every week I have to get on here and justify what I say about Davies by saying, I like Davies. I think his potential is limitless. I think he could be a great player. He could be the best left back in the world if he makes improvements to his game. But does he want it? And that's where I think I'm at with him and where I think some fans are getting to now, where we've seen him struggle with his defensive positioning. We've seen a lack of desire and tracking back. We've seen him make a lot of mistakes with the ball on his foot. And it feels to me like Tuchel and Julian Nagelsmann before him were so enamored with what Davies could be that they couldn't see what he is, which is a player that needs to make improvements in his game. For whatever reason, Davies will light opponents up with like three assists a year that every coach seems to think justifies everything about his game that's wrong. And he has the potential to be so electrifying in the attack, but if he's not tracking back and he's constantly putting those center backs under duress and having to cover way too much space especially on quick counters he's not doing the primary part of his job that he's brought here to do he's a left back and i understand that left backs got to get up the field they got to cross and they got to be a part of the attack but right now he seems to be really shirking his defensive responsibilities and if he's not going to fight like hell and he's not going to body Visor in that that situation, and he's not going to to win that ball, and then subsequently not recover enough to to prevent Visor from getting off the game-winning shot, there's a problem. And and I wonder right now if Tuchel needs to send him a message. And and what that message would be, would it be benching him? Would it be starting Rafael Guerrero, which we could see? I, I don't know. So this position to me is very hard to figure out. We know that Tuchel likes Guerrero. We know that he backed that signing. So what happens here? Will it be Davies or will it be Guerrero? Right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Bayern Munich and Thomas Tuchel are scared that if they send this kind of message to Davies, someone who may or may not already be checked out, that it could push him to want that transfer to Real Madrid or Chelsea or whoever the hell wants him even more. So I think Tuchel's going to coach in fear of Davies. (laughs) and I think he's going to play him anyway. I know that might not happen, and I know that Tugel may ultimately opt to bench Davies, but I think that the club realizes that Davies and his commitment to Bayern Munich are pretty shaky at this point, and they might have to sell him this summer. So by all accounts, they're going to want to keep him happy, and I think that by by benching him now, it could put that position in jeopardy. Now, maybe Davies is a supreme professional and would take it, and roll with it and say, I need to be better. But I don't know that we've seen that from Davies yet. I don't know that we've seen him try and make these adjustments in his game to improve those things that have hurt him. And whether it's coaching instructions or whether it's him just not wanting to accept things that need to be changed, we don't know. But he's got he's got to start making these adjustments because he's still the same player he was three years ago. And at this point in his career, still being so young, you want to start to see him evolve, and you want to start to see him become more well-rounded, less mistake-prone. And we just haven't seen it yet. Either way, he's going to start. Uh, as far as central midfield goes, I think we're going to see Yashua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. Now, Kimmich, another player in a precarious spot, because I could easily see Alexander Pavlovich getting the nod against Union Berlin and Kimmich being sat down. Because it was very evident that Tuchel was not a fan of how Kimmich played Nobody, nobody benches Kimmich. We know that here, right? Nagelsmann wouldn't do it. Flick wouldn't do it. Somehow, though, Kovac wouldn't do it. But now this might be the time where Tuchel pulls the trigger on that. I won't be shocked if if Kimmich is on the bench to start, but I can't see Tuchel going nuclear at that point because I think he knows if there are all these stories breaking about players being unhappy – Kimmick is arguably the most popular player in the locker room. He is the bridge between the old generation and the new. If you piss him off, if you get players backing him instead of you as a coach, you really run the risk of losing the locker room. So I think Tuchel, if he's smart and this is awful to say, because it shouldn't be like this, you should be based on your performance, but play, you should play based on your performance, but I think in this case, it, it is very tenuous. And I think Tuchel's going to be this do the smart thing for him. And he's going to play Kimmich and Goretzka together. Of course, this probably means neither player will start. Probably be Guerrero and Pavlovich, but whatever. The attack, another set of interesting circumstances here. Leroy Sane, I can't imagine, is going to get benched, although it might be time to sit him down for a game just so we can get his head straight. Harry Kane, as lethargic as he looked on Sunday. I can't see him getting benched, so I expect to see Sané and Kane. You know, Tugel's made men. These are the two guys that he's aligned himself with, and he rides with them through everything. So I, I expect them to start. The other wing position, that's a little more difficult to call. Will it be Kingsley Coman again? Probably not because he was not that impactful against Werder Bremen, or will it be Thomas Muller who, whatever you want to say about Muller, he just has been good enough to start in his – you know, thanks to his recent performances. So I think we'll see Muller. What would I do? I would stick Musiala out at wing and play Muller as a 10, but what do I know? So I expect to see Muller at wing, Musiala at the 10, Kane at striker, and Sané on the other wing. So that's how I think this is going to play out. It's probably wrong, but I can't get a good gauge on Tuchel at this point. And I don't know how he's going to handle benching players that might need to be benched at this point. And that includes players like Davies, Kimmich, Sané, Come on, and we just don't know. So I guess that's one of the interesting things. One of the very interesting subplots that we'll see play out for this match. As far as the final score goes again, it's tough to call. I can't see Bayern Munich dropping two in a row. I really can't. So I'm going to go Bayern Munich for Union Berlin nil. And that is probably a death stroke because I did predict four nil Bayern over Union Berlin. But I think Bayern as a team is going to realize they're taking some heat right now. Tugel can understand they're taking some heat. They're going to want to come out and they're going to want to push the envelope at Union Berlin and and really pile it on. And I don't know if this Union Berlin team is going to be strong enough to withstand what Bayern can be if they're playing at the top of their game. So that's what I think 4-0 when that prediction flames out, you can all kill me. So uh, I expect to hear from you if, if Byron gets upset again. That'll about do it for this episode of the preview show. Sorry if I went a little bit long, but had a lot of thoughts after that vertebrae and match and was really not happy with what I saw. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at Adams 71 You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Siler at C Y 3 C-Y-L-3-R. And you can get all of our great writers and podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Check us out. We'll have all of the match coverage against Union Berlin and a whole hell of a lot of news coverage regarding Bayern Munich and Germany. Uh, there's just a lot going on. So hang with us at BFW. We're catching it all. Have a couple of beers on me. Enjoy the match, and we'll see you next time.